We're in this series called Restoration. And in this series, we've been talking about how we can restore our hearts um, in the heart of our church, in the heart of our community, back to God, right? Um, and that's sort of what we'll be talking about. And today we're going to talk about relationships. Um, and specifically, we're going to talk about how to address those who have hurt us and also those whom we have hurt. So we're going to start off with a, with a foundational verse. The foundational verse we're going to start with is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32. It's a short passage here. It's something that you should be able to be able to think about throughout the week. Uh, maybe memorize it if you have the ability to memorize, which we all do, right? Because everybody knows their home phone number right now, right? Does anybody know their cell phone number? I mean, we know our cell phones, right? Does anybody forget those numbers, though? Yeah, like I forget my parents' number. I just dial mom, right? Or I dial dad. On it, and that's what I think it is, but I cannot tell you what it is, right? I know my personal one because I have to tell it to people, and I'm pretty sure I know Kristen's because it's one off of mine. But outside of that, I don't know any other phone numbers, right? Is anybody else the same way, right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for telling me that I'm not weird in that. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32 says this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Let me read that to you one more time here, and just think about the words. Get rid of all bitterness, okay, all rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. See, in this passage, it just is basically telling us two specific things that we're to do. We're to get rid of all types of these evil behaviors in our life, um, and second, we're to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to each other. And we get this. And over the course of this message series, we have been talking about how you get rid of all types of evil behavior. Because we know that as people choosing to follow Jesus, people who say, I want to have a, a commitment to, to following Jesus and to learning from him and to being in those footsteps there, we know that bitterness has no place in our life. We know that rage and anger uh, are not part of following Jesus. We know that harsh words and slander do not point people to Jesus. And we recognize that these evil, that these evil behaviors have no place in our lives if we are truly trying to follow Jesus. Now, let me stop there a second here because sometimes they creep up, right? right? When you get cut off in traffic, you sense a little bit of rage in times, right? Right? When, when, you, when you get a tax bill, uh, you may have a little bit of anger that comes up, right? Um, there may be some bitterness that comes in when your favorite sports team loses, right? right? Next year is the 49ers team year, by the way. That's, it's next year for the 49ers, not this year, right? Um, you may have some of those bitterness. Some of these evil behaviors may come up, and they might rear up, and we might see them. But when we do see those things, we kill them, Right? We stop them in their tracks. Because of what Jesus has done, we, we try to get rid of them the moment we recognize them, right? And it may take time to recognize the bitterness is growing in us. On it, Anger and rage, we can usually, usually see right off the bat. Slander, that may be something that we don't really realize is happening 
So we have to stop, and when we see, we try to kill it. What makes it difficult is that oftentimes we see these evil behaviors existing in people who are not following Jesus. And what do we try to do when we see that? Well, because we're trying to kill those things in ourselves, we immediately try to correct them and other people as well, right? I mean, that, that's part of what we try to do. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever tried to connect, correct someone's anger or, ra- or rage when they are not following Jesus? Have you ever tried to do that? That's fun, right? Like saying, oh, you should never be angry about this. They have no concept of Jesus. They have no understanding. We're trying to teach them how to live like Jesus, but they've never had a relationship with Jesus. And so when we try to correct them, what happens? Right? Huh? It causes problems, right? Has anybody ever done that? Am I the only one that tries to, tries to put Christian behaviors on someone who is not a Christian? Right? We do that all the time, right? And we see that. Because how can, we, how can we expect people to live like Christians if they've never encountered the Christ? How can we do that? We can't. And as a result, when we try to correct them, it causes problems for us. And either we get hurt or they get hurt or both of us get hurt. In the same way, sometimes we try to correct another follower of Jesus and we come off the wrong way. 1 Timothy 5.1 tells us this, Never speak harshly to an older man, but appeal to him respectfully as you would to your own father. Talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. And we as Christians, we have a guideline for how to treat each other within the body of Christ. But sometimes we forget this, don't we? And grace, and guess what happens? Either we get hurt when that happens, or they get hurt, or we both get hurt. And in trying to root out evil behavior in each other, we forget the second part of this passage in Ephesians. To be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So today we're going to talk about relationships, but specifically within relationships, we're talking about forgiveness and how to forgive other people and how to forgive ourselves, forgiving the people that have hurt us and forgiving the people that we have hurt. So we're going to start with the easy one to just jump into here, okay? We are to forgive those who have hurt us, right? This is going to be the easy one to go into. Forgive those who have hurt us. Why? Why is it so important for us to forgive people that have hurt us? Um, well, first off, because God's forgiven us, right? That's a, that's, a, that's a simple answer right there, right? Why do we forgive people who've hurt us? Well, because God forgave us. Colossians 3.13 tells us this, Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So at the very least, if we are people who are trying to follow Jesus, and we are trusting his word, the Bible, to guide our lives, then we must forgive others. So, and think about this passage here. You know, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I'm trying to figure out a way to explain this to you. And so, I'm gonna, what this is called is a Jesus juke. Have you ever heard of a Jesus juke before? Right? So, you know what a juke is, right? A juke is J-U-K-E. A juke is when you shift quickly and you throw the other person off balance, right? You see that in basketball. I think they do that in basketball. You see that in football, right? Soccer, it's there all the time, right? If you can watch 90 minutes, somebody, you're going to see that happen there, right? A juke is there. But a Jesus juke is something different. A Jesus juke is something we do in, in the Christian world. And let me see if I can give you some examples of this. You know, somebody, somebody, um, 
you know, says something to you and, and, or you read something on Facebook and you realize, oh, you know, this is, you know, um, they say, you know, I'm so thankful for a compass, you know, or so I have navigation on my phone to get me to where I need to go. A Jesus juke would be saying, well, shouldn't you be trusting Jesus to get you where you go? Right? That's a Jesus juke, right? Um, a Jesus juke would be, oh, I finally found the answer to what I was looking for. Well, wasn't Jesus the answer you're always looking for? You get that? You understand what Jesus jukes are now, right? You get the picture of that, right? It's like when you're trying to guilt people into trusting Jesus when you're just being funny on that. Maybe it's a dead joke. I'll move on. Um, but what, um, what I, when I remember that Jesus forgave me, here's what I understand. When I remember that Jesus forgave me, it is so much easier for me to forgive other people. Just pause to think about that, right? When I remember about the fact that Jesus forgave me, I, I actually have the ability to forgive other people a lot easier. Because, I, let's face it, no matter what has been done to me, it's still not as much as what I've done to God. And here's where things get a little sticky. Because sometimes I think, well, wait a minute. I haven't really hurt God. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I haven't really done anything to try to hurt God. So how could that be? And I forget that because God is my creator, and that he is holy, and he has created me to be in a relationship with him. That when I sin and I choose to be unholy, I remove myself from that relationship with him. And when that happens, that's where that hurt comes from. And so when I have a hard time forgiving someone, it's oftentimes I figure out because I've forgotten that God has forgiven me. When I hold on to something, it's because, you know, I'm holding on to it. It's not because I remember that. And yet I remember that God has forgiven me, that I have to accept it, that I have to believe it and confess it. And, that, and that's there. So we forgive others because they've hurt us because God has forgiven us. The second thing is it's important to forgive others so that we don't start resenting them. Right? You guys, you guys, um, I had a younger brother. Um, Joel is his name. Uh, he, is, he is larger than I am. He is a, uh, a bigger man than I am. Um, and I and I always resented him uh, a little bit on some things because it always seemed like like Joel was gifted with the ability to tear things apart and put them back together again. He had mechanical ability, whereas me, um, like like let me give you an example. Joel knows how to change the oil in a car, right? Me, I know how to pay someone to change the oil in my car, right? Um, Joel knows how to fix computers. I know how to tell people how to fix computers. I can't do it myself, you know, but I, I could probably figure out the process there. Um, Joel, um, Joel can, can fix a lawnmower, right? I could buy a new lawnmower. That, those are the skill sets we have. Joel is a saver. I am a spender, uh, which is very exciting uh, when you think about that. So sometimes there's some resentment that comes up, and we understand resentment, because resentment's a tricky thing. It creeps up on us, doesn't it? Right? Like, you could be fine with everybody, everything's going great, and then all of a sudden you realize, I actually resent this person a little bit. And you don't know where that comes from. You can't quite, you can't quite figure this out. But if we don't address resentment, it comes in there. It's important to forgive others so that we don't resent them. Job 5.2 tells us, Surely resentment destroys the few destroys the fool, and jealousy kills the simple. 
And this is so true because resentment boils and builds within us. It causes us to do stupid things and to think illogically and unreasonably about things. Resentment always hurts us more than anyone else because of this. We keep it inside, right? Resentment is not something that you really show outside of it. We keep resentment inside of us. And so that hurt that we have that may be sitting there for, you know, a couple days or maybe a couple weeks or a month or, or maybe 10 years or 20 or 30 years long, that resentment that we held on to, that is still making us miserable about things. Resentment doesn't change the past that we have. It can't correct the problem. It doesn't change the other person. It doesn't even hurt the other person that we are resenting. Because most likely they've, they've just forgotten about it. They don't even see it anymore. All resentment does is hurt us because it's sort of like a cancer that eats at us from the inside out. Third, it's important to forgive others because I'm going to need forgiveness in the future. I'm going to, I'm going to tell this to you. You guys, I know you will be shocked at this, but I am not perfect. There will be a point in time. It could happen in a couple minutes here. It could happen in an hour. It could happen in a couple days. I don't know. But there'll be a point in time when I'll probably have to ask for forgiveness again. Right? I'm sorry. I messed up. This is who I am. Um, I am not perfect. You guys know that. Um, but if you didn't, just in case you didn't, there you go. It's important to forgive others because I'm going to need forgiveness again. And Jesus taught the same principle to us in Mark chapter 11. Uh, Verses 25, it says, But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. And here's the thing. We need to know we are forgiven. But if we can't forgive others, then how can we sense, how can we feel God's forgiveness in our own lives? See, I I think this is a tricky principle to come into because if we can't forgive others, how can we ever know that? And, and make no mistake, the Bible says we can't receive what we are unwilling to give. So the Lord's Prayer talks about first we ask God to meet our needs, but that's followed up by asking God to forgive our debts in the same way that we forgive the debts of others. So if I'm withholding forgiveness from other people, then in some way that is not exactly clear to us, I'm also asking God to withhold forgiveness from me as well. And that's sort, of, that's sort of tough to grab hold on to, isn't it? It's sort of messed up when you think about it that way. Forgiveness is a two-way street. A guy, a guy came to John Wesley one time, and, and John Wesley and said this to him, I can never give that person, ever. And John Wesley said to him, that hope, then I hope you never sin, because we all need uh, what we don't want to give. And sometimes forgiveness is something that we don't really want to give, but we need it, Right? So we don't burn that bridge forgiveness that we need to walk across. So, how do we forgive? How do we forgive those who have hurt us? Because some of us aren't sure that's even going to be possible. We've held on to something for so long. It's built inside us for so long. It's become such a a crucial part of our life. It's become part of our story that we tell everybody, right? I was hurt in this instance here, and because I was hurt, you know, we never get beyond it. And we've held on to that hurt for so long that it seems impossible to forgive them. It's so deep, it's so private, that even we aren't sure how to describe what that hurt is. Think about that, right? Well, we have to try. 
So how do we forgive? We have to reveal our hurt. Here's the thing. We can't heal until we reveal it. Because if a hurt is private, then you'll never have anyone who could step alongside you and love you through that healing process. Take a moment to just pause and think about that, right? When you're hurt, you don't want to tell anybody about that, right? I was offended, right? I, I got hurt. My feelings were upset. Somebody did something wrong to me. This is the circumstances I find myself in. And you don't want to share that with anybody because embarrassment, shame, fear, whatever it may be, you hold on to that inside. But if you hold on to it inside, if, it become, if it's such a private thing, you'll never have anyone who could step alongside you and love you through the healing process. Because I promise you this, no matter how difficult your story is, no matter how tough your story is, no matter what the circumstances that your story has evolved, no matter what has been done with you, it's most likely there's somebody out there that has a very similar story to you that can walk alongside you and can help you heal through that. You've got to bring your hurt out into the public. And, and let me be clear, this does not mean that you post it on Facebook, right? You don't, that's not the right place to post your hurt. Right? I mean, you don't, you don't post it. You don't rent a billboard. Right? You don't do that. That's not the right way. You do this in the accountability of someone close to you, someone that you can trust, someone that has your confidence. We talked about that before. This, that is what the accountability partners are, are for. Um, and if you can't have that person, at the very least, what you do is you write it down. You make it so that you write that secret down so you can make it public, so you can see it, so you can heal from them. And, and once that hurt is public, once you've revealed it, you've got some options, right? Now, now you can repress it, right? And that, everybody knows that repressing your hurt is super healthy, right? right? That's like when you just shove it down inside your heart or just push it out of the way and you pretend that it doesn't exist or ignore it. Um, that, that is, you know, that's repression. Uh, when you can suppress it, you can minimize it. You can say it doesn't matter, that it's okay. You know, they did what they could do in that situation. That's another way you could do it. But the best way to deal with a hurt is to confess it. We can own this one thing has hurt to us. And we can, when we confess it, we lay it at the feet of Jesus. And let's talk about this idea of confession because I don't want you to go into a little booth throw a curtain, on a, open up a little window and talk to a priest. That's not, we don't do that in the Wesleyan Church, right? That is a form of confession. But let me be very frank with you on this. Some of the greatest moments of healing in my life, personally, has been when I said to God, this hurts. I don't know what to do with it. This is consuming me, and, and I, can't, I can't get over this. And confessing it to God and saying, listen, this is where it is. Some of, the, some of the greatest hurts I've had, when I sat down and I wrote them down, and I could look at them and say, okay, God, this is what it is that is bothering my heart. This is what it is that's, that's getting me, that I'm holding on to this and keeping me from having a relationship with you that I want. What do I do with it? Just that simple act has been healing. Right? Again, you don't have to confess it to anybody and everybody that hears it. Right? If you have a close accountability partner, as you know, mine is a guy by the name of Corey. Um, and when I talk to him about things and I, and I confess things to him, um, 
even though you know, there's fear, even though there's concern, even though there's a little bit of worry, sometimes he's going to judge me on that. What it does, though, is it helps me realize that he's helping me carry that burden as well. It makes it easier for me. And when that happens, when I, when I can lay that burden down, when I can confess it, that's when I start to heal. And he- healing requires a couple more things that we have to step into. Obviously, we, we reveal our hurt. It's got to be made public. But the second thing is, we have to release the one that hurt us. We have to forgive them. And, and we forgive them for all the reasons we've already talked about, but also we forgive them so that we can heal. And we forgive so that we can heal. And here's the thing. You and I cannot heal unless we forgive the people in our lives who have hurt us. Oh, man, that is a really tough pill to swallow if you have been hurt deeply. That is really hard to come to terms with if if you carry physical or emotional scars with you. But we can't heal without that. Peter once asked Jesus the question, how many times should I forgive someone who sinned against me? Is it, is it seven times? And, and Jesus' reply was that we forgive 70 times seven. And I don't think it's meaning that, that we forgive 490 times. That's not, I think that's right on my math. But we don't, we don't forgive 490 times, but it is that we just keep forgiving. We just keep forgiving. And it, it doesn't seem fair, it doesn't seem right, but we keep forgiving and, and we don't stop. And forgiveness isn't a one-time thing. It's a continual process. And here's how you know when you've actually forgiven that person. Ready? This is how you know when you've actually forgiven that person who's hurt you. When you can think about them and it doesn't hurt anymore. Right? So, so when I could think about the person that hurt me, that scarred me, that, that wounded me deeply, and it doesn't hurt anymore, chances are I've forgiven them. Right? And when I think about them, if, if the emotions that boil inside of me, and I still think about them, and, and I'm still hurt, I still need to keep forgiving them. Right? For some of us, that may take a lifetime of forgiveness. It might. But we have to forgive to heal. I'm going to add one more thought for you on this. For the healing of your life to be completed, for you to be restored, we have to make amends with the one who hurt you. Now, this is not easy, and it is not always advisable um, for you and I to go back to the person who has hurt us. Sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes that would mean letting someone in our life that should not be part of our life. And I get that. Right, so what do we do when that's the case? Like, if, if you have been in an abusive relationship with someone, um, or if you've been hurt deeply from them, on it, there are some people that you don't want to let back into your life, right? You just don't, they're, they're done, right? So how do we make amends with them if that's what's going on? Because we have to come to terms with them in this way. And you make amends, um, I'm going to go back to what we can do, okay? At the very least, what we can do is we can sit down and it's going to sound cliche-ish. I know that. Forgive me for this. But at the very least, what you can do is you can write that personal letter that says forgive them, that you forgive them. Not a letter that tells you how bad they hurt you, right? But a letter that says that you have forgiven them. And you don't have to send it to them, right? It doesn't require a stamp. It requires you to say, I'm going to try to make amends with this person the best I can. 
I'm going to write him a letter saying, I forgive you for this, and, and I'm moving on. Um, you, don't have to send it, you don't send the letter um, if you don't have to. If, if it would be dangerous or unhealthy to reach out to the person who, who hurt you, at the very least, you can write a letter. And hold it on to that letter of forgiveness is something that you can do. All right. We've talked now about the reality that, you know, this is how we do with people that have hurt us. This is how we forgive. But let's flip the coin here and turn on the other side here. We've talked about how to address the people that have hurt us, but the reality is that you and I have hurt people as well. We have, right? Because we're human beings, right? Everybody has a pulse, right? Although, since the temperature is cooling down, it might be getting slower right now, right? We get that, but uh, we all have a pulse. That's a joke right there. Um, I'm just telling you. Um, let's, let's walk through this here. Whether it be intentional or on purpose, we have to come to terms with we have hurt people. And if we know we have hurt someone, we have to try to repair that hurt. Hebrews 12, 14 through 16 tells us this, to work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Part of living at peace is recognizing that we might have hurt someone and trying to repair that hurt. So how do we repair that hurt? when we're the ones that have hurt someone. Well, again, I'm, I'm full of cliches this morning, apparently, so, so here we go, here's another one. We try to make a list as best we can, right? As best we can. Um, it, it might be hard to do at first, but spending some time thinking and praying about it will help us get together a list of things that, hey, I know I've probably hurt this person. For instance, I know that my brother Joel has a scar on his forehead right here, from when I threw a record at him, uh, which, by the way, make great Frisbees and, and incredible weapons, by the way. Um, and it hit him right here, and I, I remember that, right? Um, that, that's a hurt on it. He's forgiven me for that, as well as the fact that when he had chicken pox, I picked his chicken pox for him. Um, and now he has scars right here, too. So yeah, I've, I've, I've scarred him deeply, right? You guys, you guys can mock me and laugh at this all the want, right? But I, I make a list, right? I have also, you also make a list of the people that you have hurt, that you, I may have done this unintentionally, but it's there. Now, you can make a list that go for hours, right? And for miles and pages and pages, you can fill notebooks of that. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to say, listen, these are the people that I think I've probably hurt. Pray about it. Think about it. Don't go looking for people that you might have possibly unintentionally hurt because that's not what we're going after, right? The people that I cut off in traffic, I don't worry about them, right? If they're going to hold on to that, that's on them. That's not on me. Um, you're going for, hey, I know that I've hurt him or her, and this is how. Second thing is you try to figure out how to repair uh, this. Again, you think about it. You think about this. How do I repair this? And you think about things like time. Is this the right time to try to repair this relationship with them, right? Is this the right time to do this? Um, secondly, it, is my attitude right? Do I have the right attitude to try to repair this with them? Third, you know, is it appropriate? Is it wise for me to contact them? 
is it going to hurt them more if I contact them or not? Um, let me see if I can give you an example. I had a pastor uh, once that um, uh, I grew up in his church, um, and I left, and here's this guy that, you know, I, he was my pastor. I followed him, everything, and then he got into a moral issue and had to be removed from ministry, and I thought to myself, that hurts me deeply. Here's a guy that I trusted entirely, and now he's gone. Um, and and how do I how do I address this? How do I how do I try to repair this relationship with him? You know, um, he hurt me, and then I realized in what I did was I because um, I was young at the time I slandered him. I did that. I can tell you that. Um, and uh, he was the most worthless person I could ever think of. How dare he do this to me? Um, and I was mean, and I was rude to him, and he found out about it, and that hurt him. And I knew it hurt him, and I was sort of glad it hurt him, right? Because he deserved that, right? You guys are better than me, so you would never have those attitudes, right? But I was glad that he found out that I said that about him, and it hurt him, right? Even though he was doing everything he could to restore his marriage, even though he had confessed the sin, even though he had gone through the times in his life that he was trying to, to be restored, I hurt him. And I was okay with that. And I had come to terms with the fact that my attitude wasn't right to repair to that time. I knew it was wrong. Uh, I knew that he was, he was deeply hurt by that time. I couldn't do it then, so I had to wait a little while. I eventually did... I uh, reached out to him, um, and, and we were able to repair that with him. But you have to think about if it's appropriate. Is it wise to contact them? Is it going to hurt them more if you contact them? The third thing you have to do is you have to refocus on the relationships you have today. And you start with the relationship you have with God. And then you, start, then you move from your relationship with God to your relationship with your spouse, to your siblings, your family, then on to your co-workers, friends, etc. Job 11, 30, 11, 13 through 21 tells us this. If only you will prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer. Get rid of all your sins. Leave all iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You'll be strong and free of fear. You'll forget your misery. You'll be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the new day. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. Having hope will give you courage. You will be protected and will rest in safety. You will lie down unafraid, and many will look to you for help. But the wicked will be blinded, for they will have no escape. Their only hope is death. Here's what we had to come to terms with. Forgiveness is a two-way street. We have to forgive those who have hurt us, and we have to forgive those who we have to ask for forgiveness from those that we have hurt as well. God does not want us to live in this constant state of hurt. He wants us to be healed, and for that to happen, we have to know the difference between our story and our testimony. Because our story is all the bad things that have happened in our lives, all the hurt, all the pain that we've experienced in life, and we all have a story. But our testimony, our testimony is what God has done in and through us and is doing in and through us. It is the story of how we have been healed and how we are being healed by God's great mercy. That is our, our testimony is the story of God's restoration in our life. You could tell your story or you could live your testimony. 
what are you going to do? Because your story is all the bad stuff that's gone on, all the hurt that you've built up, the people that you, you, who have hurt you as well as people that you have hurt. And when you tell your story on it, oftentimes our stories are not ones of forgiveness. But our testimonies always are. Our testimonies are always stories of how God has forgiven us and how we have been moved by him to be closer to him. So I'll leave you with this one question. Are you telling your story, or are you telling the testimony of what God has done in your life? Let me pray for you today. Father, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you that you are a God who we can go to, who we confess to, who can ask forgiveness from, and who gives it freely to us. We are thankful that you are a God that empowers us to forgive others as well. As well. And I just ask, Lord, that we will be people in this church who live out the testimony of what you have done in our lives, of how you have changed our hearts and grown us closer to you. And even if we aren't in a relationship with you right now that is, is following you, I pray that you draw us close. I pray, Lord, that if there are things that are holding on to in our hearts and our minds, that we will release them, that we will reveal them, make them known, and that we can, we can move on living as people who have been forgiven and who forgive. I ask this in your name, Lord. Amen.